What's up, everyone? You're listening to Sincerely Angie Podcast, and I'm your host, Angie. Thank you so much for tuning in, and welcome to my little gumbo pot. Please be sure to rate and subscribe wherever available, and don't forget that you can download any of your favorite episodes for offline listening. You can always find any information needed on today's episode in the show notes, and for any further information, you can always check out SincerelyAngieM.com. Now on to the episode. Hey, to all of my online shoppers or anyone looking to rack up some extra bucks, Rakuten, formerly Ebates, is the place for you. If you're shopping online, why not get cash back in the process? And if you're looking to make money on the side, all you have to do is refer a friend. When they spend their very first $25, they'll get $10 free and you'll get paid for referring them. Who doesn't like free money? You can get paid with a big fat check or you can get paid through PayPal. You can find a link to get started in the show notes, or you can always visit SincerelyAngieM.com under the promo tab. Happy shopping, and let's start racking. Hello, everyone. I just wanted to come in real quick to say before this episode gets started that I think that this episode is probably my most vulnerable one yet, and I did kind of delve into my past and and just kind of reveal some things about me that many people may or may not know um, because I am kind of telling my story. So it is a little bit vulnerable for me to put that out there. Not that I'm afraid of being judged or anything, but it's it's my truth. And, you know, you don't really go around shouting certain things about what happened during your childhood. And I think because I did say a few of those things that makes me a little bit, it made me a little bit open, you know, so I hope that you all got something from it or you get something from this episode and um, that you understand where I'm coming from and what I'm trying to portray. What's up, y'all? Last week, I wanted to start the episode off talking about God's plan. I wanted to start singing the song God's plan, but it didn't work out that way because nothing went as planned last week. Nothing absolutely went as planned. But this week, I have a plan. The episode is still going to probably be all over the place, but I hope that you get where I'm coming from. So today's episode is Dear Childhood. I think that's what I'm going to title it. And it stemmed from me taking a quiz or like a little assessment. So I was listening to a podcast last week and they did a quiz called How We Love. And this is not like telling what your love language is. This is more so telling of how your childhood may have been and how you love as a person. So I went online and I took the quiz. It was about 15 questions. And all you have to do if you want to take the quiz is to Google how we love. And you can go to that website. The uh, website, I think, is actually howwelove.com. I'm not sure. But I did um, go to that website to take the test. And out of the 15 questions, there are five different groups that you could be Uh, labeled as not really labeled let me not say that that you could find yourself ranking higher than others in a certain category so I'm gonna read the categories off to you and then I'm going to share with you all my results and then we can dive into the episode from there and then I'll tell you how this started me to want to talk about childhood basically so um, we have the avoider 
There is the controller. You have the victim, the vacillator, the pleaser, and I think that's it. One, two, three, four, five. Victim, controller, vacillator, avoider, and pleaser. So out of those five categories, I tied 64% in two of them. The very first one, which was my primary love style, is a pleaser. And um, they label a pleaser as someone who usually grows up in a home with a fearful, overly protective parent or an angry, critical parent. Pleaser children do everything they can to be good and avoid troubling and reactive or stressed parents. These kids don't get comfort. Rather, they spend their energy comforting or appeasing their troublesome parent. As adults, pleasers tend to continually monitor the moods of others around them to keep everyone happy. They value harmony and avoid conflict. Eventually, giving so much causes them resentment and they can break down or leave the relationship. The common complaints about pleasers are that they are overcommitted because they cannot say no and they ignore problems that involve conflict. And my other 64% was the avoider. And the avoider usually comes from performance-based homes that value mastery, encourage independence and self-reliance, and discourage the expression of feelings or needs. These homes lack affection, tenderness, or personal discussions. The focus is responsibility. Avoiders respond to anxiety of not having comfort and nurturing by learning to take care of themselves. They restrict their feelings and needs and become independent. So as adults, they avoid emotions and neediness because that's what they learn to do as kids. The spouses of avoiders have similar complaints. I don't get any affection. My spouse doesn't seem to really need much. I can't get close. So out of those two, those, I mean, from those two, those are the two that I tied with 64% of my questions. 29% was a vacillator, 7% victim, and controller was 7%. And for victim and controller, it means that one of the 15 questions um, identified in those two categories. And the vacillator was 29%. Now, I'm not going to get into the three smaller topics. I'm going to just tackle the ones that have the largest percent since the one is my primary and then one is the close second to the primary. So as far as the pleaser, I have always labeled myself as a pleaser, but taking this quiz and them breaking it down in that manner, it really kind of made sense to me. Now, I don't I have not seen a therapist yet in my adult life, nor did I see a therapist as a child or a counselor. I have always just kind of self, what's the word? How can I say self-therapy? I've always had self-therapy where I've, I've counseled myself. <laughs> and I know that's not a good thing, but I think my self-awareness allowed for that to be something that has worked for me over time. Now, the when they're saying that the pleasers grew up in a household that had a fearful, overly protective parent or an angry, critical parent, my parent was angry. Um, she and I, I, if you listen to my Dear Storytime episode, you will know that my father was not in my life and you will hear how I found out about him passing away in the Storytime too. 
And so it was just my mother. And my mother had me and my uh, sister that's right above me. She had us a little bit later on in life, like in her late 30s. And she was kind of, you know, living her best life at that time. She was a hot girl. So she was not expecting to have two more kids after she had already gotten her other kids out of the way. But we there we were. So my mom, she curses like a sailor. She curses like it's no one's business. Like... Five o'clock in the morning, she would wake up cursing and nine o'clock at night, she would go to bed cursing. She just, she curses. And that's partly, it's not partly, it's 100% of the reason why I don't curse as much because I don't want to have to, I don't want to be that way, you know? So, and they said that pleasers children, pleaser children do everything they can to be good. And I think that that is why I was the goody two-shoe. I was the child that got good grades, that came home after school. I didn't hang out late, and I wasn't out doing everything with who knows who. I was I was that that model child. And if in a Dear Mama episode when my mom was on the podcast, she did say that I was a good child. And, you know, I was. she was like she wished that all of her kids were like me. But, again, taking this quiz kind of put things into perspective, like, wow, that's why I am the way I am. So a lot of the things that our parents do when we're children, they don't realize it because there's no manual to be a parent. There's no guidebook, but it really does shape who we are. And I want everyone to be mindful. And I do not have kids, but I feel like when people grow up and they have kids, they tend to forget that they were once a child and what they wanted and needed as a child. So for me, whenever I am by my nieces, uh, family and friends and stuff, I tell them I love you. I tell them, you know, I make sure I tell my nieces when I get off the phone with them and after I leave them, I tell them that I love them because I didn't get that as a child. And I know that that is something that I would have wanted to experience. I would have wanted to experience my mom hugging me or even just kind of coddling me or holding my hand or embracing me and not you know, living as though we're roommates. I wanted to have some type of affection in the household and that that didn't happen in my childhood. So whenever I bear children and I I raise children of my own, I'm going to make sure that I tell them that they are loved, tell them that they are beautiful, tell them that they're necessary and that they're wonderful and that what they have and what they're going to contribute to this world is going to matter. I wanna make sure to let them know what I did not get does not have to be what they don't get. And I hope to not repeat the process. And I know times get hard, life gets hard, and you get busy. But in the process of getting busy, don't replace affection with material things. And I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm just I'm just trying to put into perspective as a child what I wanted and should have received, but I did not. So the things that I would like to put, uh, put through to my children when they come um let's see pleasers tend to monitor the moods of those around them to keep everyone happy i am definitely the peacemaker i am the voice of reason i am the person who thinks first and reacts later i do not just fly off the handle i saw that too much when i was younger so i never wanted to be that person they value harmony and avoid conflict. I absolutely love when people are on one accord, when everybody's mood is very mellow and chill and loving and, and happy and just everybody is getting along. And when there's conflict, I just I just kind of like, I don't want to be near it. Even the weirdest thing for me is like when I'm listening to a radio sh- uh, show in the morning or I'm watching a video and 
it's live and a caller calls in and they could potentially say something and I don't know what the host of the show is going to say, but I know that they're going to go off on a person. I immediately want to change the channel. And sometimes I used to change the channel. Like when people would call into the Steve Harvey morning show. And I know that Steve, based on what the person who called in said, I knew that Steve was going to say something silly or just off the wall to the person. And I just, I could not stand to hear it. Like it bothered my soul. And it's like, nope, I don't want to hear it. I don't even know. I don't want to know what the outcome is going to be, but I know it's going to be bad. And then uh, the last thing about pleasers is eventually giving so much causes resentment and they can break down or leave the relationship. And they over overcommit because they cannot say no and they ignore problems that involve conflict. Now, I, I won't say that I ignore problems that involve conflict, but I definitely take my time with uh, confronting an issue. I tend to let it want to simmer down a bit. And then I'll address it when it feels comfortable enough. So that is totally me. And I could not believe it when I read the results and it broke it down because I'm like 95% of this, this pleaser love style is who I am. Now, really quickly to get into the avoider, they usually come from a performance-based home that values mastery and encourage independence and self-reliance and discourage the expression of feelings or needs. Now, it was not a performance-based home, but it was definitely in a home that encouraged independence. As soon as we got a job at 16 and 17, mom was like, okay, so you got to get your own soap, your own toothpaste, you got to do this and you got to pay for this yourself. And I just, I didn't get that. I I respected it. I gave her half of the money for, you know, the bills and stuff like that. But I just, I didn't understand how I just started working and now I got to start being an adult. Basically, I didn't really get the chance to splurge not that I would have because I'm a saver but out of the money that I did save or did I did play with you know I gave it to her and I it is what it is <laughs> we did not express any feelings like I said there wasn't any I love you's in the household there wasn't any hugs or kisses or there was nothing like that you explain yourself or try to explain yourself and it goes in one ear and out the other it's almost as if you did not even say anything so that that is definitely shaped who I am the avoider the home lacks affection yes tenderness or personal discussion that was non-existent the focus is responsibility and like I said once we started working it was like yeah the go out on your own if you want to or if you stay here you pay bills it's up to you as that's kind of how it was to an to an extent Avoiders respond to the anxiety of not having comfort and nurturing by learning to take care of themselves yes that's me I'm if you've heard on this podcast many times before how private I am and how I don't really let too many people in, I tend to do a lot of things on my own without re, um, requesting the assistance or uh, opinion of uh, opinion of others. That's just I, you know, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Now these people are not diagnosing you on this quiz they're basically giving you an idea of what areas you need to work on if you take this quiz and you go to therapy you can kind of have a a foundation and say hey I believe this is why I may have done that now you know counselors and therapists and psychiatrists they are going to assess you themselves but if you want to get a head start on self-awareness I think this quiz is the perfect thing to take um, and then the last thing for avoiders is they restrict their feelings and needs 
and become, wait, they restrict their feelings and needs and become independent. So as adults, they avoid emotions and neediness because of what they learn to do as kids. And and that's what I was just saying. I, you know, I really don't, I know it'll be hard for whoever is with me for life, you know, to really kind of break me out of that mold of wanting to take care of myself and do things on my own. And in a few episodes, I've mentioned how a guy will ask if he can take out the trash. And I'm like, no, I have it. Or can I carry your bag? And I'm like, no, I got it. You know, and it's like, I don't have to do everything. I can't allow the man to be a man and I can't allow someone to help me. And I've always, for the longest time, I've had problems accepting things from people, mainly guys, but just on a surface based level, I have really been very, I I feel kind of now I owe this person because they've given me something instead of just accepting that they want to give me whatever it is or they want to help me I have trouble just accepting those things that quiz taking that quiz really just kind of put things into perspective for me and it is really really makes me want to go to therapy like as soon as possible just to kind of assess some of the things that I can't break down on my own like the whole childhood thing I know that that's going to be a factor and If y'all have listened to any of the She Say, She Say podcast that I was doing with my best friend, Anitra, I I talk on there a lot about how I like older guys. And I may have even said it on this podcast before that I prefer older men. And I don't think it has to do with daddy issues because my father wasn't around. I'm not looking for a man to control me. I like older men because in my personal opinion, Older men know how to take care of a woman. There's not much that you need to teach them. You only need to teach them how to treat you. Okay, I like this. And he can, you know, say, okay, well, let me cater what I, or let me alter what I used to do and treat you in this particular way because you were totally different from this other person or something like that. I hope you get what I'm trying to say. But I don't, I never looked at an older guy as somebody who's going to take care of me or that I needed him to be a father to me or I needed him to, that's not what it is. I like older guys because I like the way that they operate. They're mature. You don't have to teach them as much. They already know how to handle you as a woman. They know how to respect you. If you're walking down the street, they know to stand on the side with the traffic. And as opposed to a younger guy, he may not have that traditional knowledge that would say hey if you're walking on the street or on a sidewalk you stand on the side where the cars are just to kind of show a sense of protection for the woman so that's what I mean um so there was a meme also that that came up on my timeline that I saw and it it had to do with with childhood and this is a part of the podcast where I said that things were going to be all over the place but when I saw it it just made me think of how things that happen in your childhood really affect you as an adult so it says we are taught from a very young age that rejection is a reflection of your imperfections you weren't accepted you failed you're not good enough when in reality rejection is a form of a blessing God will block things in life to protect you if it's not for you now I know that you know that is kind of like what does that have to do with anything but as a child we were told certain things that we actually grew up to believe were true in a dear questions episode (laughs) and I still laugh at this because when you know better you do better and if the person who is in charge of taking care of you, if they don't know better, better, how can, how, you know? So my mom used to always buy Sunny D. And for the long, longest, I thought that Sunny D was orange juice. Like, orange juice from an orange. No, it's not from an orange. It's just 
artificial flavored orange juice. And I know that's very simple, but just taking a word of somebody else, I didn't, and I knew that it tasted differently, but I didn't really, you know, I'm like, oh, maybe it's just Sunny D, this particular brand of orange juices, you know, it's strained differently or something. I, I don't know. But that's, that's just a small example of how you can hear something or learn something as a child and then it's not really what it is. So y'all know I told y'all in the last episode or a couple of episodes back that um, I am paranoid. I Well, I am not paranoid. I have paranoid tendencies. Well, growing up, my mom, and, and to this day, she still believes that everybody is out to get her. She thinks that everybody wants to harm her. She thinks that everybody wants to steal from her and that they want something that she has. She has always been paranoid. And I remember her, um, there there was this woman, and I'm not going to say her name, but there was this woman, and my mom used to tell us that this lady was evil. And so I remember growing up not liking this woman because my mom said that she was evil. Now, as an adult, I can look at the woman and I don't get any bad vibes from her. I don't get any evil vibes from her. The The more so negative vibes that I get is from my mom. My mom put that energy out there. But this lady who's still around after all these years, surprisingly, and a part of my mom's life, she she I don't even get that from her. But my mom planted those seeds in our heads as a child to make us think that this woman was evil and everything that this woman did was to harm us. I just, you know... You have to be mindful of what you tell kids and how you treat them because you're shaping this person's future. And that's why I try to encourage my nieces and I try and speak positivity over them and just to them. And um, I did an Instagram live with my niece one day and she said that and it warmed my heart. Oh, I wish at the time I could have saved the live. I only saved a snippet of it. But she said that I'm patient with them and I don't yell at them. And she said, and if I'm upset with them or mad with them, she said, I, I tell them why and give them an understanding. And I'm just like, y'all don't think that these kids are paying attention, but they're paying attention. They understand these things. They get it. And you have to remember, what did you remember when you were a child? What did you understand and comprehend when you were a child? You weren't as oblivious as your parents thought you were. You saw this person and knew that that wasn't your uncle or you saw this person and knew, you know, that this wasn't who they said it was. Or when your mom told you to lie and say that you weren't there, you knew that it wasn't right. But since that's your parent and you had to obey them or respect them, you had to do what they said. So, you know, you knew it wasn't right, though. So, I mean, all right. So enough of that. And one last point I wanted to make about childhood is really not the last point, but I'm coming up on 20 plus minutes now. And I want to hurry up and edit this and get it out there so that I can be on time and on schedule. I think we have about two more episodes for this particular month. And then March is here and old girl is going to be living her best life. But there's generational curses that are placed upon each and every one of us, whether it's good or bad. And I don't think that um, there is a good curse, but for the speaking of uh, wealth, if you come from a generation where no one knew how to save no one owned a business no one or in anyone in your family barely kept a job it was just you know living pillar to post and not even having a, a pot to throw pee out the window or whatever that saying is 
those are the generational wealth, generational curses that I'm going to speak on really briefly. And it's strictly finances because I did see a meme as should be a, a segment in this show. I should have like meme-versations. Meme-versations. I think that's what I'm going to do. I may come back after March and I'll, I'll take a meme each day and kind of break it down and give my opinion on it. I think that's what I'm going to do. So I saw this one a while ago and it says, since financial literacy isn't included in general education, you can't blame yourself for not being great with money. However, that excuse will only take you so far. At some point, you need to take responsibility for your finances, basically. So what that basically said when I saw it was that money to an extent is on, it's going to be an excuse for only so long. Like back in the 90s, you could say, I don't know how to save. I don't make enough money. That may have been true. But today in 2020, making money is literally at your fingertips. If you do a podcast and you create sponsorships or you allow ads on your podcast, you can make money. If you volunteer your services at any type of function or something like that, you can make money. Like making money in multiple streams of income, that is not a rarity. It is something that is very common and all it takes is for you to dig inside yourself and see what are you able to do? What kind of service are you able to provide? You have people who create master classes, write books. You have people who uh, sell products. They order something in bulk and then they go and resell it for a higher price to make a profit. There is really no excuse for wealth to not be a part of who we are as human beings in 2020. In my childhood, I have talked many times about how I have always been a saver. When people used to come to my house, they used to give us money and I would just stack my money. My sister would spend her money. This is, these are, me and my sister grew up in the same household. We're two years apart, but we have totally different views on how we were raised. Our outlook on how we were raised are totally different. So while I was a saver, my sister was a spinner. And so now that she has grown up, she she's a material person. She likes nice things. She wants to go and buy things at any point. Me, on the other hand, I don't need many material things to make me happy or to solidify or even to say who I am as a person. That's just, just not me. Everybody has their own likes and dislikes. But I said all of that to say, when you come from a family that does not have money, or you were not taught about money, or there was no type of financial literacy at all, you don't know where to go when you get older. It's only trial and error. So while my sister may not have been a saver, she knew how to make money, and she knew how to spend that money to get what she wanted. And then as I grew up, I knew how to make money, and I knew how to save that money to double that money, which came with time as well. Not double it, but to um, get a profit on that money, to earn some interest on that money. It's, at what point do we allow ourselves to keep continuing to say, well, I didn't learn this as a child. I didn't learn this as a child. That cannot be your story forever. You take what you did not learn and then you flip the script and you learn something and then you cater it to your current lifestyle and or to your current life, whatever is going on in 2020 as, your fi- as it relates to your finances. Now, I, like I said, I know that this was going to be all over the place, but what I really wanted to talk about was how things as a child, it, it really does affect us and how you have to be mindful if you have children 
how you speak to them because what you do and what you don't say will affect them. So if you're not telling your kids you love them or if you're cursing them out every breath that you take, they're going to remember that. They're going to remember that my mom never had anything nice to say about me. She would rather call me a bitch instead of, you know, telling me she loved me. That's going to affect your child. You think it, you may think it doesn't, but it does. Um, you may say, growing up as a child, I always had hand-me-downs. And so that is why you spend your money on clothes now because you never want to feel that again. So in, in my opinion, you have to look within yourself to see why those material things are a validation for you. I'm not a therapist and I'm not even a psychiatrist or a counselor or anything like that. But I do know that some things that we've experienced as children have truly affected us to this day. And we have to dig to the root and see why that is. For me, money was a scarcity and, and at my house. It was not in abundance at all. So when I did get it, I kept it. That's one of the reasons why I'm a saver because, and it wasn't that we were dirt poor, thing like that, but we were not filthy rich or we were not rich. Because it was not something that was very common, my mom, she worked for a little while and then she didn't work and she did side work where she worked off and on. It wasn't consistent, but you know, she had a job and if she ever needed money, she wasn't broke. If we needed something, I feel like she took care of our needs. My sister, on the other hand, she would probably tell a different story. I never went hungry. I never, I never starved or anything like that. I never went without clothing. We always had what we needed to survive. We have different opinions on how we grew up. But I just wanted to say that think about what you did or did not receive as a child and take that and make that fuel for what you give your child. And don't let it be the driving force. Like, don't don't misconstrue my words when I say let it be the driving force. So if you did not get a whole lot of clothing when you were smaller, don't think that you need to work 24 hours a day so that you can make sure that your kids have clothes because your child may not even want clothing. They may want your presence. They may actually want to have that relationship with you. So you really have to be aware of what your child need and their love languages. That's a whole nother story. I, I didn't really speak on love languages, but that is how you can tell how someone recognizes love. So there are words of affirmation, gift giving, physical touch, I can't remember all of the love languages. Hold on, let me pull them up real quick. Okay, so uh, it's words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. Those are the five love languages. So if you know how your child or how your spouse receives love, finding out how you acknowledge or receive love is important as well so that you can know how to tell your spouse or tell your child how you receive love. There are quizzes for your children to take for the uh, five love languages so you can see how your child needs to receive love. So for me, I think that I think that my five love languages, my top one was uh, words of affirmation and acts of service, because I think that I prefer for you to tell me something as well as show me something in order for it to be real to me. And just like my love style quiz, it says that I'm a pleaser and I'm an avoider. That's what it says. And again, these are not titles to kind of label yourself as, but these are things to kind of acknowledge where your childhood may have been affected, if that makes any sense. So I'm approaching 30 minutes now, and I think that's all I wanted to hit on. And I think I actually cut myself off when I started talking about the five love languages, but I don't remember where I was going with that. 
I think I was saying that don't think that you need to buy your child everything because you didn't get everything. Actually see what your child receives love as. So your child may want you to actually be there and not go to work every day or not buy them things. They may not want those things. They may want you to actually give them hugs or tell them that, you know, tell you, tell them, you tell them that you love them, but you have to really get into your your feelings, you have to be open enough to receive whatever your child's love language is as well as your spouse. I don't want to leave the spouse out. Although this episode is about childhood, I think it's important for any relationship that you are in that you make sure that you know that person's love language and you respect it just so that they can respect yours as well. You want to be able to not just be a giver or just a taker. You want to be able to make sure that there's a give and take in any relationship that you are involved in but i think that's my time y'all y'all hear that clock and my stomach but yeah it's time to go (laughs) i have a few more episodes you guys and been and then we'll take a little hiatus a little recess too and then um i'll see y'all after march i have a trip planned already I'll tell y'all after I come back how the trip was and where I went. And if you follow me on Instagram, there will be pictures. You should know that by now. And if you don't follow me, the links are always on SincerelyAngieM.com under the the Twitter and Instagram little tabs and all of that stuff. There's videos on YouTube. Everything is Sincerely Angie. So if you just search Sincerely Angie, you're going to find me. All right, you guys, y'all have a great day, great evening, great night, and have a great week until we talk again. Peace out. Thank you again for tuning in to Sincerely Angie Podcast, and hopefully you learned something in today's episode. For any social media handles, you can always visit SincerelyAngieM.com under the social media tab or at the bottom of the page. That's Instagram, Twitter, as well as YouTube. Talk to you next time.